0: Welcome to The Breakdown with Broadcorp and Becky, a weekly podcast that breaks down politics, policy, and current affairs. I'm Michael Brodkorb.
1: And I'm Becky Scher.
0: On this week's episode, we're breaking down the ongoing threats against politicians, revelations against Fox News uncovered in a lawsuit filed against them by Dominion Voting Systems, and finally, we'll break down the yearly battle against Daylight Savings. We're excited to be joined today by our first in-studio guest, the Honorable Jeff Kolb from Crystal, Minnesota.
1: And winner of two top tweets so far.
2: Two-time winner. Two-time winner. Zero-time loser.
0: Um, <laughs> I'm excited about this. Now, um, Becky, we have done roughly 19 episodes. Sure. Over two, two, two seasons, two episodes uh, across of podcast formerly called The Broadcorp Report. Right. Which you fomented an insurrection against related to the title.
1: Hardcore. Are we going to
2: talk about my proposed title that did not get selected? Well, before we get to that, before we get to that
0: first. So this this is our 19th episode we've recorded. We've dedicated ourselves to improving the podcast every week. We've had technical issues, equipment failure. I even forgot to press record once. But this episode, we face our greatest challenges because we're joined today by Jeff Kolb, the Honorable Jeff Kolb from Crystal. And and before we begin, I want to disclose, and I, I think I said this to you when we discussed this, I feel a little bit like Joan Embry, or I felt like the producer of The Tonight Show when Joan Embry was going to be on, and she was going to, from the San Diego Zoo, and she would have this wild animal that would come on, and it would maybe attack Johnny Carson.
2: Do you Do you have a reference that's maybe... Well, more
0: I was going to, I have, I knew you were going to bring this up. Okay. So I have a, 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 rep, episode, a reference that you should recognize, which is when David Letterman introduced Crispin Glover and it turned into this mayhem like episode. I love Crispin Glover. I know you do. So that's how I feel like today. So this is either going to be a smash hit
1: <laughs> or
2: there's going to be flames coming out of the building.
1: We got our finger on the mute button in case we need it.
2: We need our finger on the mute button. Yeah, here's a quick story. I asked before we started if I'm allowed to swear or not. And Michael said, well, you can, but we might have to bleep you because my children listen. And he's told me this while he was at home on the phone. And without missing a beat, one of his children piped in in the background and said, no, we don't. (laughs) Yeah, that was, it was a great moment. They do listen. They do listen. Hey, kids.
0: Hey, kids. They listen. Um. I told my wife you were going to be on, and she asked if we took call-ins, because she wanted to prank the studio, uh, make some call-ins. Let's her on the phone. Well, it's- she wanted to ask you about, Well, she should begin, um, your take on this chicken nuggets uh, lawsuit that was uh, against Buffalo Wild Wings. Yeah, I hope he wins. Hope he
2: wins. We should set the table a little bit. Boneless chicken wings.
1: Pun intended. Set the table.
2: Yes, we should set the table a little bit. Boneless chicken wings are chicken nuggets. It's science. You have to follow the science. If I wanted if to the set last th- few years have showed us anything. It says you need to follow the science. And the science. Oh, boy, says here we go. Boneless chicken wings are just chicken nuggets. I
0: meant I wanted to set the table a little bit with how I know you. And and I believe, Becky, you're meeting him for the first time today in person.
1: This is the first well, I, in person. I mean, we we maybe, believe there's maybe a passing. Yeah. We've we've gone first back and forth on for Twitter real. before. Yeah.
0: So Jeff and I have followed each other on Twitter for a number of years. Um we first met after my my car crash, uh, you had made some incendiary comments about an article that I'd written, uh, you for, told me
2: I'm not allowed to swear
0: for politics on MN. Um, and, uh, we had a banter back and forth on Twitter. Then we exchanged some DMs and then we met. And so if it wasn't for Twitter, we, we wouldn't, I wouldn't have you as uh, one of my best friends, someone who I care for immensely. And we wouldn't be here today.
1: Oh, Twitter bromance. I love this. Yes. Yeah.
0: As I frequently say, Jeff is is like, I can I, I love him like the brother I never had, or the brother I wish I drowned in the river. <laughs> so he's a great friend, okay. very loyal friend, and I'm very excited to have him here.
2: I'm excited to be here.
0: Are you? you I'm are, excited
2: to be here on The Blonde and the Bald Guy.
0: It's not. It's the breakdown with Broadcorp and Becky. The breakdown right.
2: with the blonde and the bald
0: guy. That's it. No, <laughs> we should give people the backstory, which is that when we were- when we were discussing name changes, which you did not foment an insurrection against, you, you were supportive from the beginning, wh- I had sent Jeff a tweet or a DM or a message with some suggestions, and his immediate response was the blonde and the bald guy. Because...
2: Boring. He had a whole list I'm of blonde, blonde suggestions.
0: And...
1: You're blonde.
0: I'm sorry. I'm bald and <laughs> Becky is blonde. Yes, I'm not blonde. I just was... It was bringing back memories to have someone... Um, be disrespectful to us in the studio. So I was just thinking about that. <laughs> go ahead. But and you are also a member of your former member of the Crystal City Council. Tell, tell our listeners about yourself. Aside from all the wonderful things I just said about you being one of my best friends, you're also
2: tell us about yourself. A, you covered all the highlights. I well, mean, give me some of the lowlights. I was an elected official for four years. There we go. Uh, uh, I'm the uh, member of the Crystal City Council. Uh, from 2015 to 2019
0: and your then, wife is a city your wife is a member of the
2: uh my wife is a three rivers parks district director or whatever i don't know she's a board of i don't know what they call commissioner themselves maybe? commissioner
0: probably sure jeff has jeff has developed online a persona of of acting somewhat a little bit like get off my lawn a little okay. archie bunker type of persona but you'd be the listeners would be surprised maybe surprised to learn that one of the best Christmas displays in the Twin Cities is outside this Scrooge's home. It's absolutely lovely. You do a wonderful display in wow. crystal, and absolutely I absolutely
2: love re- it. I reject the characterization of a Scrooge, but okay. You and are
1: where the, can people follow you on Twitter?
2: Uh, I am at J.P. Kolb.
0: On Twitter, and he is fantastic on Twitter. Um, and it's, it's, he's unique and – you're not unique in that sense, but it's just what I like about you on Twitter is exactly how you are in real life.
2: Yeah, that's what I was going to say, but uh, listeners may be surprised to know that he's exactly the same in real (laughs) life as he is online.
0: Yes, you are exactly the same way. Um, We uh, wanted to talk about three subjects today, and all the subjects were picked, cultivated, I would say, for your appearance in some ways. I think it's a perfect subject matter to have you on to talk about. It's a great
2: $5 word, cultivated.
0: Cultivated. And we're going to start down, we're going to break down topic number one.
2: Breakdown.
0: threats against politicians Becky
1: Yes so this is something we have seen um I mean it's not necessarily new maybe the uh, intensity has certainly become a little bit more in- Intense, right? Um, and so, in particular, we've seen a couple articles uh, about situations in the last couple of weeks, um, specifically one over the weekend or last week about uh, Mayor Fry and some uh, threats and um, intimidation against him and also the uh, Minneapolis City Council. So, um, Mayor Fry article, I mean, wow, you know, there's uh, Kill, kill the mayor! Written on their door, um, threats against him at his home, against um, him and his wife. They have a two-year-old child, and um, you know they're really even debating having a second child, and and what whether they should bring that in, bring another child into this kind of wild situation.
0: There, there are two subjects I want to really want to dial down to this: how we got here, and. Where we go. But in particular, what I was initially surprised about in all of the social media posts and commentary about these stories when the Star Tribune or other media outlets tweet these articles out, the response is just incredible with the people who read that article and then ramp up the rhetoric. The amount of people who think that this behavior is justified, it's acceptable, it's something that should continue is just appalling. The comments section on the articles have just been nothing short of horrific. Jeff, you and I have talked about this on the phone multiple times. Give us your take on this subject.
2: Well, let's start with the, how we got here. Uh, I mean, I think you've seen this type of rhetoric increasing over the past several years. I think it's been increasing steadily. Um, I'm glad, uh, the mayor has joined his voice. Uh, some of the criticism of Mayor Fry has been, however, um, his silence on incidents prior to this, and I think that that criticism is fair. Um, a lot of what happens with these um, incidents is that people people are real quick to speak up when they like the politics of the person uh, who is the target, and if they don't like the politics of the person who is the target, um, they're silent. I didn't see Jacob Fry. Um, denouncing violence against a uh, uh, against the Supreme Court justices uh, last year, um, or or in many other incidents, there were all sorts of incidents that have happened that Jacob Fry has been quiet about. So I I, I hope that he I, I welcome his voice um, to the conversation. I hope he can look in the mirror and see that he has been part of this for not denouncing this sooner. Um, there have been very few people, I think, who have been very consistent. One of them, Pat Garofalo, um, has always been very consistent on this particular topic. Um, but outside of that, uh, there's uh, I, you can count on one hand, really, I think, the people who have been very consistent about understanding that um, things like going to someone's home to protest is never okay. Um, what you you mentioned the comments section. Uh one of the comments that I got, a reply that I got on Twitter um after promoting uh the mayor's uh op-ed was, or I guess the story about the mayor was um basically a response from somebody who said, Well, the mayor could do better if he just governed better, then maybe people wouldn't be so mad and then they wouldn't have to make death threats against him and was 100% serious.
0: When you were on the city council, did you were, were you subjected to harassment situations where people show up to the council that you could talk about?
2: Absolutely, 100%. Yeah. So we, you know, uh, the very first incident I had was uh, before I was even elected when I was campaigning, uh, I had... The wife of one of my opponents came over and started taking pictures of my children uh, playing in the front yard. Um, of your home? Yes, yeah, we were out we were out front and um, we were having a little get together for like a campaign launch and there were a few lawn signs out front. and she was of the impression that I was uh, violating the law by putting some lawn signs in my own front yard and that she needed to come and take pictures of my kids playing in the front yard um as an effort to 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 prove my you know that I should be in jail for putting some lawn wow. signs up or whatever um so that's where it started um th- there is a particularly unhinged uh former elected official in Crystal who has been relentless um, again going after my children online i eventually blocked her from um, all social media because um, it it was just it was just too much. Um, there's one particular incident, though, that I think is really instructive. Uh, that I I mentioned the other day when we were talking, Michael, is that I think the thing that opened my eyes the most was that there seems to be this feeling that once somebody becomes an elected official, that they are somehow less than human or or not that you don't treat an elected official with the same Courtesy that you would one of your other neighbors, right? And and a great illustration of that is there was a local pastor that I had met while I was campaigning, and he and I had talked a number of times on a number of different issues during the campaign. And shortly after I was elected, um, I had asked some question at a council meeting that he objected to, and um, so this is a person I had a personal relationship. You know, we had talked before; we'd spoken on the phone before. Instead of picking up the phone to call me and ask me a question about why I had asked that question or, you know, to, to understand kind of where I was coming from, he thought the best idea was to write a letter. Um, he wrote this very nasty, very lengthy letter and sent it to every member of the city council. Um so we, and so we get these, um, you'd get a packet every week with all the stuff that you need to read, you know, to get ready for the next week. And if there was any correspondence, it would come in the packet. So it was fun to open that up and read about what an awful person I was and how terrible I was. And I was a racist. And I was at this and I was a that because I asked some question that he didn't like. And so I called the guy and I asked, and I said, I said, you have my phone number. I said, do you, you know, I wasn't a racist yesterday, but now I am you know, and you thought that the best thing to do was to write this letter and blast and blast it out all over the place. Um, and you know, it. he had no good answer, but it was, you know, now you're this thing, you're this, you're in this category where I can treat you differently than I would treat any other human being because, uh, because politicians are punching bags, I guess. I I, I don't know.
0: Becky, you've worked for a number of prominent Minnesota politicians. Can you share some experiences that you've had uh, either as a staffer yourself or that you know that the elected officials endured?
1: Yeah. You know, uh, when I worked in Congress, there are different ways to escalate um, if, if threats come through. And, you know, serving as communications director, I was responsible for monitoring social media, Facebook, Twitter, um, different channels, and and seeing what people were saying and, um so there were a number of times where we did escalate things to Capitol Police. They'd, you know, uh, do some inquiries um, that the person determine whether they it was a valid threat or, you know, or just, you know, something, an empty threat. Um, but, you know, there's a reason at the district offices. Um, they're required a certain level of security. They have um, buttons that will call the local police department. They have doors that um, will lock, you know, so staff can be locked in. Um Which is a scary thing in itself that those, you know, measures are required for for staff, you know. And again, these like you said, members, I think people forget that they're real people. And not only that, but they have sacrificed a lot. You know, they've put themselves up. They've decided that they want to run for office. They sacrifice, you know, privacy and downtime and time with their families and, you know, laying on the couch time to do these jobs. And sure, they're not almighty, you know, knowing, not ever doing wrong individuals. But they do, you know, they should have a little level of respect given back to them. You can question them. You can um, disagree with them. You can criticize them. But when we move from advocacy to intimidation and to, um, you know, some of these scary things, it it really does cross the line.
2: So I I signed up to get yelled at, right, when I ran for office. You mean when you decided to run for office? Right. I, I signed up to get yelled at at a council meeting. I signed up to get nasty letters. I signed up to... Um, to have people disagree with me, I did not sign up to have somebody show up at my house and start taking pictures of my children playing in the front yard. Um, I did not sign up for the intense psychotic harassment that I received from a handful of people. Right, I didn't sign up for for that. I surely did not sign up for anybody protesting outside of my house. And again, and so you know, there there is a line. I mean, it, it's not. It, some people will probably listen to this and think, you know, oh, get out the tiny violins, right? These mm-hmm. poor politicians, right? But there's a there's a big difference to, you know, I think you're wrong about topic X and I want to come to a meeting and I want to yell about it. Um, then I'm going to show up at your front door and I'm going to start, you know, harassing members of your family. There is no legitimate reason to ever show up at somebody's house and protest outside their house, the only reason to do that is to send the message, we can get to you and we will get to you. And it, it's an intimidation tactic, it's thuggish, it's it's a terroristic uh, tactic, I'll go that far. It, it's it's what terrorists would do, and it's what terrorists do do. And the problem is when people can't, when we can't get a broad coalition of people to come together and say, no, this is wrong, this is a line i've got a great uh, just a great story in, in in the city of crystal so uh, there's some talk about different legislation that would maybe address some of some of these things one of the things um is that uh some cities have passed ordinances targeted residential picketing ordinances basically saying it is illegal to go outside of somebody's house and and protest outside their house right you can go to city hall and protest you can go on other public property and protest but no you can't stand in somebody's front yard and protest right and that's a pretty no-brainer um situation and you know so uh, after i was off the council but the uh, my city the city of crystal um they um there was a uh, an ordinance proposed Uh, It passed on its first reading seven to zero, so it was unanimously passed on the first reading. Ordinances have to have two readings. You have to vote on them twice, basically. And um, between the first and the second meeting, the local DFL party got together and decided that the proposed law was racist um, because um, it's not up to them to tell people how to protest. I don't know. I I couldn't really wrap my head around it, Uh, but the ordinance ended up passing ultimately, but lost votes on the second reading because members of the DFL party decided that it was racist to say you can't show up in front of somebody's house and scream at them.
0: What is the practical effect of having that type of uh, ordinance in the city of Crystal What does that mean?
2: Well, what's interesting is you you can have all the laws you want, but you have to actually have to uh, enforce them. There, there really was um there 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 are existing laws on the federal level about the harassment and targeting of members of the ju- the judiciary, right? But you did not see them enforced uh, when people were in front of Supreme Court Justice's house. Let's not forget somebody was arrested for a credible plan to assassinate a supreme court justice and there was silence from a number of people because they didn't want to defend somebody who was maybe possibly going to rule a way that they didn't like on a law i mean in, in, on a case in front of them right and and so you could you you saw all of these cowards who just who could not bring themselves to stand up and say where were the democrats to stand up and say hey no, this is wrong. I don't care what they're doing. No, you can't. No, you can't have an angry protest outside a Supreme Court justice's house or a judge's house or or something like that. And at the same time, don't let Republicans off the hook either, um, because they're plenty happy. You didn't see a ton of Republicans uh, standing up to denounce the threats against Jacob Fry. And
1: this kind of goes to your point earlier about um, how Mayor Fry wasn't. You know, vocal when those things were happening last summer. Um, And I, I believe even in the article about the city council members that were being attacked by, you know, left wing extremists on that in that case. I believe the mayor was quoted in that article as saying something of, "Well, we wouldn't accept this from right-wing pro-life right. um, folks. So why are you know pro-gun folks? So why are we going to accept this from left-wings?" And it's like, why? Why is that? What does it Clarification right. even needed right. to be made. I did appreciate. I, I think you had tweeted somebody had said, you know, replied to you tweeting about that article about Mayor Fry and said, you know, X, Y, and Z. This is an inappropriate but And you said, "Whoa, whoa, whoa. Why is there even a but? it's right. It's just inappropriate
2: <laughs> you You have to be able to say, no, v- violent harassment is wrong. And again, that that's 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 different. Uh, here's one thing that happened in the last couple of weeks, and uh, that that did not rile me up, okay? you You had two members of the Minnesota legislature uh, in a committee hearing. Um, one of the members was yelling at the other one because he got caught off because whatever he, he felt debate was being cut off and whatever. you want to raise your voice at somebody and yell in a committee meeting? like, okay, that's all part of the job. Maybe it maybe you should have handled it different, whatever. Um, that's one entirely different thing. It's I'm not saying politicians shouldn't be challenged. Of course, they should be challenged. but there's there's some pretty clear boundaries and not letting someone protest in front of a private residence or go onto a private residence and burn an effigy of somebody or beat a piñata that's shaped like somebody on their driveway, we should be able to say that that's wrong, regardless of who the target is.
0: And you believe that the reason that there's not more outspoken criticism, bipartisan outspoken criticism, is because sometimes people identify with the people that are protesting and they don't want to be pursued. Sure they as, do. Jacob
2: Fry couldn't stand up and say, don't burn Bob Kroll in effigy. That's his political enemy. So, uh, the it there would that would have been real courage if Jacob Fry would have stood up and said, "No, this guy's a dirtbag. I don't like him. He's the head of the union, and he's my political enemy, and whatever." But no, you don't get to go to his house and and threaten to burn down Hugo. No, you don't get to burn to beat. An effigy of him in his driveway. If he had stood up and said that, Jacob Fry would be a real hero right now. But he's not. And that's and so that is the problem. You need to be able to stand up for all of it. And I, I I would tell you, I I would be just as upset about what happened to Bob Kroll and 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 his family and those families in Hugo as I would if they were in front of Denise Speck's house, wherever that may be, and they were in and it was a bunch of right-wing activists you know, beating a pinata of her because it's not okay. And it's just not okay no matter what. And we don't have anyone with the courage to stand up and say that. And until we get to that critical mass, um, I, it's going to continue because it, because not denouncing it or denouncing with little asterisks, right? Oh, well, that's kind of bad, but they probably kind of deserved it because, you know, whatever. Um, If you can't just categorically say that that's wrong, someone's going to die. Someone is going to get killed, whether it be a protester by someone who's defending their home, or whether it be um, the target of one of these violent mobs. Somebody is going to die and everyone's going to look around and and wonder, how did we get here? And they better look in the mirror because if you're not denouncing this kind of thing you are part of the problem and you know the legislature has been in minnesota has been very remiss to address this and the explanation i was told is that they don't want to be seen as carving out special rules for politicians which is a total you told me i can't swear rule or uh, just excuse you, be yourself be that you that 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 Nobody's talking about special rules for politicians. What we're saying is no, you can't show up in front of somebody's house and protest. You can go down the street to City Hall, you can go to the Capitol, you can, there's all sorts of places that you can protest. This isn't this isn't the Gestapo, this isn't fascism, this is no, we're gonna have some norms because the people who live next door to that politician don't deserve to have the angry mob on their street. And all the only reason you're doing it is to try and intimidate them into changing their opinion and and that and we can't let that happen or we will not have a functional government.
1: And that's exactly what I was going to get to is it's kind of the underlying um you know premise of why these debates are happening or why these protests are happening. You know, I've spent Majority of my career um, working for campaigns or in PR, you know, working to build grassroots coalitions to get people to write the letters, make the phone calls, go to events, you know, have those civil conversations and really explain and try to win over politicians or win over voters, whatever that might be. Um, And and this is. The opposite, right? It's using force. It's using brutality. It's using, you know, uh, words to do that. I mean, we saw this with for a number of different things recently. Um, Washington County Attorney Pete Orbit's house for the Dante Wright case, um, demanding that uh, Potter be charged with murder. Um, he even went out and actually spoke with these folks. It was live streamed. It was it was pretty intense. He's since passed away, but you know, he went o- out to try to have a conversation. We saw it at the judge in Kim Potter's case. They showed up at the condo that she lived in. You know, went into a locked building. Was at Mike Freeman's house in George Floyd. They broke windows. He and this
2: and and the the piece about intimidating people to change their mind is not theoretical because in that very same case you have you had a member of the Brooklyn Center City Council give a statement to the Star Tribune saying I wanted to vote this way but I voted that way because I didn't want those people outside of my house. So this is not. It's not a theoretical. Um kind of heady debate here. This is actually, we're really intimidating people into voting uh, the way that you want by showing up and threatening violence because or, people want to vote a certain way because they don't want people in front of their house.
1: Or blocked, wasn't at the city council, they blocked her car until she signed.
2: Andrew Jenkins. That right. was nuts. That was, uh, of all of them, that was that's the craziest thing. They held her hostage. Right,
1: and this is exactly, I mean, if you don't like someone's policies, if you don't like the way someone votes or, or how they're acting or serving your city, your county, your state, whatever it might be, find somebody to run against him, do the work, and get the voters on your side, and vote them out of office. I mean, and that's what America stands for, right?
0: Where does this end?
2: How it, does it end? It ends with someone, somebody dying.
0: In the absence, so what can be done, what, in your estimation, the both of you, what could be done to stop that from happening?
2: Short a Short a strong bipartisan force that lays down the the rule that this is not acceptable and people who engage in this kind of thing will be punished and then backs that up with the action of the next time they show up outside somebody's house we bring we bring the police in and we arrest everybody and then you charge them and you prosecute them and you go through without having that wherewithal it the only place it ends is with somebody dead
1: i mean and in addition to actually legislative police efforts um i mean we got to work on the rhetoric behind campaigns and candidates i know we're going to speak a little bit to our former president um and an upcoming probably nominee for the republican party um i mean there's a lot to be said if you remember even january 6th, when they he wanted people with guns or knives to be let through the mags and said well they're not here to hurt me you know so in addition to that's obviously the place to start but we got to do something about the rhetoric and how we're riling up Folks across across the board, because there have been attempts, Gabby Giffords, Steve Scalise, you know, two different Dem and Republican that have actually been shot at and got very lucky that they didn't die.
0: Your thoughts, Jeff.
2: I. uh, um, Your closing thought on it. Yeah, yeah, uh, uh, I I don't I I don't know. I don't know where to go with it. I, I don't have a lot of hope around the topic because I don't see the temperature being turned down and I don't see anybody being brave enough to go out there and do something about it. And so uh, and so for you know for as widely as this podcast may be listened to uh, <laughs> in the halls of the legislature or people in Minnesota who have some influence in politics, uh, I'm looking for that brave person. I'll stand next there next to you. I don't care who you are uh, let's go. let's 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 make this wrong. I was
0: disappointed in the response to the Jacob Fry story. Uh, I would have hoped that that, and, and I understand, as Jeff, you've pointed out, some of the inconsistencies on his part. That being said, I would have thought that that, that narrative, that story that I would written, would have been the point where people wanted to stop, but it wasn't, yeah, it, and, and I was incredibly disappointed in the response to that because,
2: story. Because they don't see him as Jacob Fry, their neighbor. They see
0: him as subhuman
2: because he's an elected official. Yes, he's he's the, just, he's the mayor horrific. of Minneapolis, and so therefore he's not a real person, mm-hmm. and so therefore he doesn't get treated like a human being, and the respect that would be accorded to a human being. I mean I mean, everyone should probably run the through a filter and say if I wouldn't say this to the guy that lives next door to me, I probably shouldn't say it to the guy to the guy who's representing me.
0: Do you think this is going to hurt? Do you think this factors into people's decisions to
2: run for, Absolutely, for office? It does. It did facts, it factor in? Because in yeah, you? you served did. one term yeah. on, uh, on the uh, Crystal City there, Council. There were a number of reasons. There were a number of reasons why I decided not to run again. Um, first and foremost, my wife got a new job that made it very difficult to manage the schedule um, at night with the with the kids. She was traveling a lot. And so that was the, that was the the primary factor. But I, um, I would be lying if I said it that the ongoing harassment and just this this nonstop kind of the, just that that did not factor into it. And I know that it it has for other. I've talked to other um, former elected officials in the area, and we've talked about we've had the, those conversations in private, saying, "No, nah, I just you know I'm done. I can't do this anymore. I can't I I, I can't have people screaming at me all the time about every, about every little thing. It just." it's not worth $8,000 a year or whatever you get as a, as a part-time council member in a, in a suburb.
1: I mean, yeah, it's just, it absolutely needs to end. It's gone too far. We need to do more um, to, to speak out against it. And um, I mean, it's just really unfortunate that, uh, you know, like I said, you guys are both parents. I'm a parent to think about having to have a conversation about your, the future of your family having a second child, because of what you're faced with when you, I mean, and again, I don't agree with 99% of mayor Fry's policies. Um, but that's really unfortunate that he has to make that decision because of the safety of his family and, and what he's going to put, you know, what those children have to indoor, indoor, you know, shopping at well, the grocery store.
0: I'm correct. It's, it's horrific. And I'm appreciative for Jeff for coming on today to talk about this first subject. And and he brought, I think, an important uh, voice Perspective and and leadership, and I hope people take you up on that, Jeff. I really do, and and I hope uh, I know you. You've been very thoughtful about this subject. One of the few subjects you've been thoughtful about, <laughs> uh, and I do appreciate your thoughtfulness on this. We're going to break down the lawsuit. Let's against... break it down. Yeah, we need to get it. A... We're going we're gonna... to we, we might have you, we that. might have you cut some... breakdown. Yeah, we, we yeah. might have to have you. We might do some uh, post show recording if with you do some like so... music. Yeah,
2: like that, like kind of a Pow! kind with of thing. something like that. Let's break down the lawsuit break it down.
0: again. Can I can I continue? No. All right. <laughs> it's my uh, show now. Let's break down the lawsuit against Fox News uh, by Dominion Voting Systems. Becky.
1: Yes, Dominion is suing Fox for defamation um and we've been able to get an inside scoop with millions of pages that have been released. They're uh, suing for 1.6 billion dollars. Um lawsuit is going to trial in Delaware next month. They say that Fox has defamed the company um, by broadcasting falsehoods claiming its machines were used to help Joe Biden defeat Trump. And, man, are these text messages and emails. Whoo.
0: Now, mean, let's – Jeff, and, and as you're here the entire show, you're in the room with us, please chime in where, where you'd like. I'd like to lay a little bit of the table down. Um you and i have discussed in the past uh the kind of the reality of what we think the trump voter is and that you know these were people that believed that trump was going to build the wall in mexico was going to pay for it these are not people that i sometimes think live in the real world what's frustrating about this from my perspective uh, i'm not surprised by it uh, what's what's what what disappoints me about it is how just black and white it is they they clearly understood that they were not believing what their hosts were saying. The hosts did not believe what they were saying and they were perpetuating it. It really shows what the Fox business model is, is they're focused on, and we shouldn't be surprised by that, um, that their model is focused on advertisers uh, getting viewership. In order to get viewership, they had to frame their broadcast a particular way. And in this instance, it was was clear the objective was to frame the broadcast in a way that Joe Biden did not win, but that Donald Trump, did win the 2020 election. And this lawsuit has exposed a number of behind-the-scenes communications which show that the hosts of Fox Fox, um, had a lot of doubts about what they were saying. They were uncomfortable. They were tired of Donald Trump. They were tired of his appearance on the stage. They wanted him to go away, that they loathed him personally. Um, It was quite an astounding bit of discovery. But it does show um, how there is a balancing act, particularly for media outlets that cater to center-right about what they need to, how they need to package information and what was going on. And it shows that the precarious position that Fox was in, in comparison to uh, One America News uh, and other media outlets, uh, that they were were losing uh, viewership, that their audience was dwindling because they were not parroting the line that the Trump administration and Trump allies wanted. It, It really shows a frustrating situation.
1: You know, I think uh, a couple things of note. One, I remember pre-2016 uh, election when um, it was probably a couple months out um, that there was a, a – somebody went through and gathered up all the earned media that all of these candidates had gotten, um, and Trump had gotten something like $1.5 billion, and the next highest was Hillary Clinton um, with like $700 million. I mean, he had gotten more than twice. I mean, people knew that focusing on Trump – Got the clicks, got the eyeballs, got the ears, um, and, and they decided to continue that through. And so this also shows us a few, a few things. The politics of politics is dirty, um, and don't put anything in writing that you can say otherwise. <laughs>
0: That's right. Jeff, your thoughts on this subject?
2: Well, um, I know uh, that you have your role to play as the Arnie Carlson for me Oof. And, um, of this podcast, but... I think what it what it shows. Let's be let's be one hundred percent real about this. If if the if the shoe were on the other foot and we were doing a deep dive into MSNBC, you'd be seeing the exact same text messages, um, in the exact same way, because that's the game of cable news. It's that, that I would agree with you. That's that, how it is. Yes, right? I would agree with you that this is this would probably we would see others examples
0: of this if there was lawsuit and litigation.
2: Correct. So, what,
0: what well, I'm want? just keep going, well I, I just I so. just
2: wanted to say, so so I'd be a little careful in signaling out Fox News just because they happen to be successful. um, if you want to look at the broader point, which is that this this the destructiveness of the twenty four hour news cycle and the the merger of entertainment and information that has been prevalent in the last say twenty years as as these cable channels have. And hopefully they've peaked. It feels like maybe we're we're in a kind of a post, um, we're maybe in the, the era where the, it might, the worst might be behind us, but they're all the same animal, uh, no matter which letters they have, whether it's Fox, MSNBC or CNN, they're, they're all exactly the same.
1: To play devil's advocate a little bit. Um, is it in a little bit different, though, if, you know, sure, I believe MSNBC and CNN are texting after, you know, anytime Joe Biden speaks and says, you know, this guy totally stumbled on his words, isn't all the way there, you know, all of those things. But the difference here, I think, is this was post-election. He's no longer going to be a second-term president, and they're basically saying things and, and presenting things in a way, perpetuating his ability to come back to be the 2024 nominee.
2: So I don't... Um... I don't have a uh, I find it very 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 difficult to t- take any of my brain space and dedicate it to Donald Trump or anything related with the last election so it's just not an area of interest for me um I just want to so I'm not defending Fox news by any stretch of the imagination and what's out there. Everybody's deserving what they're getting at this point. Um, and it, it is a little bit fun to watch because you have it right in the black and white. Right. But you see, you see certain people doing the balancing act and trying to say, okay, so how can we, how can we make, try and make everybody happy or not get, I, I mean, you have a lot of like producers for these shows trying to do the tap dance of how can I not get yelled at so much um, and try and make these different people happy. Um, but again, uh, it was a life that they chose and it was a, and they were, um, so they certainly aren't victimless. I just want to make sure that, that it's not like there's a, it's not like we just happen to have this treasure trove because of this particular lawsuit. If the election had gone slightly differently, we'd probably have the other lawsuit from the other network and you'd be seeing exactly the same things.
0: But my frustration is is that it it the narrative that Fox was parroting that they were pushing which based on the lawsuit they had doubts themselves goes to the fundamental institution of voting democracy. Uh, There's a recent poll out I think it came out just today or yesterday that showed that 63% of Republicans have doubts about whether the 2020 election was fair. Uh, I think a lot of that comes from misinformation. Um, and so my frustration and challenge is with the narrative pushed you know, by the hosts at Fox is that they didn't believe it. And the effect of it is that Americans, Minnesotans, everyday voters have less faith in the institution of voting. And if there's something that I'm a passionate advocate for, aside from the first amendment, it's voting. And it's, and and, and the concerns I have here is that they were pushing a narrative that they didn't believe.
2: But if I may, Mr. Carlson, um, it's governor Carlson. There there are, um, there are, this is another. This is very similar to the last conversation we had, I, I believe, because this is another one where um, people are selectively outraged because there was not the mass outrage when Democrats refused to certify the election of Donald Trump and voted the same way that Republicans did. Nobody there. Was not so. Yes, this. I see. I see what happened in the last cycle as just the logical. Escalation of behaving that way with no consequences. Nobody got any consequences. The last, when when they were when Democrats were selling this this Russia election hoax stuff, and they refused to vote to certify the electoral votes of Donald Trump. That you and then no, they got no consequences from that. What they did, showed the other side is you can behave like this and you're not going to get any consequences. Well, I
0: think what changed is, was January 6th, which you and I have discussed before, which we have disagreements on, but I think that fundamentally changes the equation because there weren't, I mean, when you have the events of, of January 6th and you have the examples that have been laid out, this misinformation contributed to what occurred on January 6th.
2: Yes, but so did the misinformation that got people so riled up against Donald Trump in the first place, right? So it's it's all part of the same... It's all the same story, right? The same misinformation about about Russia trying to get Donald Trump elected that's been debunked started the started the fires that then got people so passionately, passionately anti-Trump that then got the people on the other side to get so riled up to defend their side. And it just feeds on it on itself. So I don't want to so it it's it would be wrong to focus on one side's misinformation and not focus on the industry of misinformation because misinformation is how you bring voters to your side. We we talked about that it's been a while since we've talked about low information voters. Mm-hmm. That was a that was a, a catchphrase from a few cycles back, but those that that subset of people that can be easily swayed because maybe they're not paying attention as closely as you are, or maybe they're not as sophisticated in in gathering their news or whatever reason it is, right, but there's always been a segment of the population that good campaigns target and because that's what you want to do uh, because the more that you know about how things work, the more turned off everybody will be about which is it.
0: one of the things we've talked about on more than one occasion, the ability of Donald Trump to message so effectively to voters. We talked about it in his decision to go to the train derailment in in Ohio. Uh, he recently was in uh, Davenport, Iowa, I believe, just yesterday or the day before. He took some very aggressive swipes at Ron DeSantis, uh, and and it pivots a bit to what Jeff is talking about about to some degree, talking in, in in some degree in appealing to low information voters and getting and it's it is a it is a practice that campaigns engage with engage in all the time.
2: Because those are the people that can be swayed, right? When you have your electorate defined in these buckets of, you know, people who are always on my side and people who are never on my side, and then you have those people in the middle that you need to sway or you need to go find new voters to bring them to your side. um, You know, there's a reason why certain people don't always vote or certain people will only vote During certain elections and things like that, and you know, again, there's a whole industry of political science around that. But it's not new. It's this is all. If you have the long enough arc of history, you can look and see that this is just the next. Nobody should have been surprised by what happened and where we are if you've been paying attention to where we have been and that's i think the that's the point that i that i want to make is that there's a misinformation industry out there that both sides use and both sides use more effectively at certain times than other times and donald trump is a really good um he's really good at messaging and and we know that his affiliation with the truth is um uh, is very loose right so he's very good at it and but there, you know, I, I mean, for crying out loud, the Joe Biden told some stories that I read, just read that about how uh, he made up his mind on gay marriage back in, you know, whatever, 1980, when he saw two guys walking into a, or whatever, and just, just absolutely lies. But, you know, oh, that's just Grandpa Joe, and that's what he does. And so he can get away with just lying and, and completely spinning and gaslighting people, but Donald Trump, he's mean and he's bad and he's racist, so we don't like him, so we're going to call him on it, but we're not going to call Grandpa Joe on it. And so th- it's all <clears throat> part of the same thing.
1: No, I think – oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just going to say, I think if that story, though, did have the same results of millions of people being outraged and taking action, you know, because of what John, you know, Joe Biden has lied about, it's a little ap- apples and oranges in that scenario. But
2: I don't know that – I. Is the lie not just as bad just because people didn't react to it? I mean, a lie is a lie. But in
1: this situation, I think... But we're in, getting in, into
2: you know then you get into the just degrees of wrongness. right.
1: But I mean for the topic of that we're discussing for the podcast of <laughs> Dominion yes. and voter fraud and what eventually Look, led to Stop the Steal you, yeah, and yeah, the January sixth in insurrection. Don't,
2: don't try and reel me in now. I That's think right. it is a
1: little different. I mean if we're really let's let's we're gonna reel it back Please here. Do. And also for some listeners who maybe haven't dived into some of these things, um, Sean Hannity, Laura Ingram, Tucker Carlson. All privately had said Trump's insane fraud cl- or fraud claims were insane. Rupert Murdoch, who was the chair of Fox Corp, um had texted or emailed that those um these fraud claims are really crazy stuff. Tucker Carlson texted, um, I hate him passionately. I mean, these are not like little mincing words. Um, it was a lot of, you know, going against some, you know, pulling back some reporters that called Trump out on air. um and and so it really, was some pretty harsh criticism in the privates, privacy of their text message and emails that is, are no longer private. And and outwardly, they were very much you know Trump's right-hand guys and Cor- gals.
0: Correct. I think a number of people I watch, so I, I have a pretty consistent pattern of, of watching. I, I roll through CNN, Fox, MSNBC on a pretty regular cycle through the TV. I try to watch all, all, three, three, all three networks on a, on a pretty – I mean, I know there's more, but those are the ones I mainly watch um i i view all of those shows a little bit like um like you know professional wrestling there's a there's a theater to it there's there's dramatics and there's theater and there's a bit of acting that goes on my frustration or my puzzlement are the people that watch it and don't see that i mean hulk hogan you know fantastic athlete but not every match was real wrestling. Okay. I mean, and I don't want Hulk Hogan outside my door. Okay. I hope he doesn't come outside my door, but that wasn't, it's not real. I mean, there's a bit of acting and theater to it. And I think what we're seeing in this Fox news story in the, in this lawsuit is we're, we're peeling a little bit behind the curtain and seeing what they really think. And I think the disconnect that a lot of people are having is that a lot of these lies are perpetrated by people spread by people who didn't believe them themselves. And that's, that's the rub I think people are having.
1: Do you think you have a little skepticism of, of the uh, news corporations and the news channels because of your previous jobs though? Because you've had to play them to be able to get your message across Or you've been on working with candidates or campaigns I mean, I've worked with cam- campaigns where You know, you do This person voted with this, you know President Obama 78% of the time And then you really look into it and it's like journal votes Right? I mean, there yep. is a spinning of the truth That you work for uh, You know, when you're doing these kind of things That's not lying It's just only telling, you know, certain situations So do you think that you look at it in a diff- With a different, you know, kind of glasses on Than the average viewer Because of your previous employment and, you know, your experience.
0: Absolutely. I think that's the reason I watch three different stations that I rotate through on a very regular basis is because I realized that I need to get my news from, if I'm going to get my news, um, I'm going to get it from a variety of sources and I have to make sure that I'm, con- that, I'm, that I'm rotating through where I'm getting my information. So I'm not always getting it from the same the same station and the same information. So I rotate through on a very regular basis to get the news down. And it it is interesting how they differ. Mm -hmm. Um, I take all news with a grain of salt. Uh, I do do a lot of self-research and and look into things and and before, because you know, one of our, a lot of our conversations we've had discussions about is, is about truth fact-checking. A lot of our conversations had a lot of arguments with Mr. Culp about fact-checking and truth and other stuff. You guys
1: argue. Um, Oh yes, we do. Oh.
0: And, um, I I have always been uh, a big believer in 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 fact checking and, and some of those conversations you and I have had you and I have gone round and round a bit on that subject so I just think it's bad I think that in this particular instance um, and I want to I hope I'm being intellectually honest to your point that if this was MSNBC we would be discussing I hope we would be discussing it I hope we're not just discussing it because of Fox News and it's a Fox News and it and it's parroting a narrative. That I've been frustrated with about the manner which our elections have been conducted, and the level of misinformation that exists there. Um, I hope I'm I'm being fair in that sense, but it's a it's a good that Jeff threw down that marker. Um, because if we, if there is a lawsuit against MSNBC or CNN and something comes out, I think we should give it its due credit too about how they've covered subjects.
1: Well, and along those lines, there has been a lot of in, in these stories I've been reading about this lawsuit and, and the text messages that come out. Um, a lot of talks about, well, Trump's campaign basically pushed and pulled people from Fox news all the time. And that's also not uncommon. I mean, we had, uh, Jen, Pataki how do you say her last name she was over at MSNBC um Jen Saki yes yeah, Jen Psaki. Jay Carney went over um was CNN I mean it's not uncommon for people to work in politics um at the highest levels be a press secretary I mean it's like the hardest most intense job as a, a communicator in politics to then go to a news station is really not uncommon so I wanted to to you know even the playing fields with that as well
0: do you have something to say it looks like you have something to say
2: Oh, I was just, I, I just keyed in on a phrase you said, because you, you you used an interesting phrase where you said that you like to do your own research. And it, it's funny that that's a um, loaded phrase these days, because uh, people who do their own research are uh, looked down upon in certain sectors for, uh, because it's just kind of funny to me.
0: I don't know if I should kick the can or knock the block off or push the buttons, but I'm just I'm gonna we have it we we've been on for you know close to an hour here, so I, I'm not going to take debate. but we we will we we will have you on further to discuss that <laughs> subject, I think, at some point down the road, because we have to get to our next topic, which this was one of the main reasons why I wanted to have you on because of your commentary. And again, I want to make sure we're plugging at JP Cold on Twitter, is where you're getting the best with Jeff. And, and what I've frequently said about Twitter, in, in, in particular because of Jeff, is I can't believe this platform's free, uh, which it's not for some people, um, uh, but it's free to most people, and Jeff is a perfect example. Of him. One of the subjects that you have led with in this state, and, and I think across the country, has been your passionate advocacy. You could say hatred. Hatred, advocacy. <laughs> now, I want to be clear. Am, are you against daylight savings are you pro standard? Ti- help me with that. Are you pro I'm, you're, you're I'm, against daylight savings?
2: I'm anti clock changing. Okay. I'm agnostic on the question of which time we keep. <laughs> if, if we keep daylight time or, or standard, standard time, time I, I don't care. What I do know is that twice a year is your
0: content just comes alive. Yes. And it's when we spring ahead and fall back. And so take it away, Jeff, and, 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 and just sit back listeners. Take it away, Jeff.
2: I hate to disappoint. I'm not sure that I have a have a great rant on this. I do have a good story, though. It's a story I've told before. But uh, one of my first um, uh, or earliest uh, experiences in politics was uh, working at the state fair booth for Governor Tim Pawlenty. Uh And I remember one time a, a woman came over and said, to me uh what's the governor's stance on daylight savings time and i said um i, I don't know uh, i he's probably for it <laughs> and she which was not the right answer and she told me that all about how much she hated daylight savings time and um how she didn't know when to go to sleep and she didn't know when to eat and the friend i was there with said well i tend to sleep when i'm tired and eat when i'm hungry and she kind of stormed off, and that was a fun little uh, experience. And here I am many years later thinking um, how smart this woman was because uh, she had it right all along. Here's what really changed my opinion on daylight savings time. Kids um, (laughs) having children, right? Children are, um, at least mine are, right? Uh, Some people have these kids that are really easygoing and don't need strict routines. My kids uh, are at the point where they – a slight disruption to their routine is a big deal to them. And one of the things we've always struggled with with our kids um, is making sure that they get to sleep on time and they get plenty of sleep and they because both of our kids would stay up basically forever if they wanted to, or if, if they were allowed to. They just they they they're really not into that whole sleep thing. Um, but when you look at it, I, I mean the what's funny, I I read I read something one time that said, you know. For as long as you live, you'll you'll never really get somebody to explain to you um, the real purpose of Daylight Saving Time. Like, it's just one of those mysteries. We just do it because, like, somebody said it was a good idea or whatever. And farmers, right? It, well, uh, theoretically, right? But I've never known a farmer who really cares what the clock says, right? So, I mean, I think the farmer is going to kind of keep getting up. When they want to, it was a energy saving. There's some theory that maybe it saves energy. There's some studies that say it actually doesn't save energy and things like that. But it's just it's an unnecessary disruption that we we just don't get any benefit from it. So your social media advocacy came from you being a parent. Is that where this first started? I, I would say that's probably where I really started caring about it. Yes,
0: you're a new parent. Sure am. Um, uh, this is your. this would be your first. Is this your first? Daylight
1: savings experience? I mean, we had, he was alive in the fall, but, you know, he was very, very fresh then and, you know, slept. I mean, didn't go to bed. I just slept all the time.
0: Piggybacking off Jeff, then, do you have a pr- particular perspective as a new parent on this?
1: Um, no, because mine isn't quite hardcore on a, on a schedule yet. Okay. I wish he was. But I mean, he sometimes gets up at 5 a.m. this morning, slept until 7. I mean, it really just depends on the day. And I don't think I have anything. He's a
2: little young. Yeah. The, next, uh, the next few cycles will be the worst.
1: I feel some Twitter accounts that have these plans that you can institute for two weeks, moving their bedtime 15 right. minutes forward or back. So it evens for, out.
2: For what, though? I mean, what's the, what's the benefit? This is not to go into rank choice voting, right? But we get into these things where we're like, where people people are like, Hey, we need to do this. And, but there's no, there's no clearly defined benefit, right? No one can clearly say to you, what benefit do we get by changing the clocks twice a year? There's, there's, there's lots of theory or kind of legend around it, but no one can point to it to any study saying, you know, people are much happier because XYZ or this is much more productive because we change our clocks. What we do have is studies showing that especially this spring change is actually has a detrimental effect on people. You see heart attacks go up in the days after the clocks change. You see car crashes go up in the days after the the clocks change because everybody is a creature of habit and messing with somebody's sleep cycles is is not good for their health i mean we talk about a lot especially michael you have kids who are more high school aged right the, the i don't know if you've been involved in the debates about when high school should start or school start times and some of those things and how important sleep is to children we we always talk about taking their screens away and making sure they get enough sleep and all these things but then twice a year we're like hey by the way we're just going to pull the rug out from under and change Change your bedtime and change your wake up time by an hour because why? Because the federal government says you can't change your clocks locally because of some act in 1964 and what I don't know, whatever.
1: I mean, I was just gonna say, I was doing some research uh, when this was a topic and um, saw the exact same studies you mentioned that are increases in motor vehicle crashes, heart attack, stroke, and hospital admissions in later sunrises and sunsets are associated with shorter sleep duration, worse quality of sleep, and more irregular sleep patterns.
0: Um, I will say that this is the first year. Uh, we had discussed this doing this as an episode uh, last Friday was the first time we discussed it. And so we experienced daylight savings this past weekend. Uh, I was completely out of sort. Uh, I, I, I was completely out of sort. I don't know if it's because I'm getting older or I'd been looking into the subject, but it hit me hard this week. It really hit me hard this week. Uh, and, and I remember, it, I couldn't believe on Saturday it was, you know, it was four o'clock in the afternoon. Then it was five o'clock. I mean, just hour after hour, it kept going on. And I just realized how out of sort I was. And it seems to have hit me this year. I don't know if it was because we were going to be discussing it and I wanted to be dramatic, but it just, it seemed to hit me this year.
2: Yeah. I had sick kids this weekend. So it was like the double whammy, it was just, it was like, you know, on top of everything else. Now we're going to mess with his sleep schedule too. It was, um, it, it, So your outrage is from the health perspective and also from a little bit of the common sense perspective.
0: Why do we need to have this?
2: I have, you know, one of the things I did when I was on the city council to plug myself was, uh, you know, we went through our city code like line by line and just removed all the dumb ordinances we had. So I have a thing for like, for dumb, dumb laws or dumb things that people do that you can't say why, you know, we went through every ordinance and we said, why, why is this on the books? Is it really important what happens if somebody breaks this law do we do we actually really care right and we went through this whole analysis of that and made a lot of changes because there were a lot of dumb things that were just on the books forever and i feel like this is one of them where no one can clearly tell you why we do it or what the benefits are the 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 best i can come up with is some you always get somebody who says something about kids going to the bus stop in the dark or something along those lines and you know, whatever, I don't know. Why don't we all shift our clocks 30 minutes in the middle and then just leave them there forever. (laughs) Like if that's, if we can't decide which time we should be on, let's just go, let's split the difference and you know, whatever. But there's no reason why we should have to do this every year, twice a year, because there's just no benefit. There's no demonstrable benefit. And if the government is going to force you to do something, they should have to demonstrate a benefit.
1: Oh, that opens a can. Of Oof. Work. And now, this is, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, Senator Rubio has introduced a bill, reintroduced a bill this March to abolish daylight saving times. And if you haven't, if you're not an avid watcher of Veep, it's one of the best Veep episodes ever <laughs> where Jonah, this is his big thing, right? Um, highly recommend watching that if you, if you have it.
0: Um. I was going to say, is this, and this is why it was great to have you on to talk about this subject, because I have long said that it'd be good if Jeff Kolb was on a statewide ballot, that I would love to have the opportunity to vote for you. And you're hearing today, I hope the listeners are hearing today, the kind of common sense approach that Jeff Kolb would take if he was on a statewide ballot.
2: My platform is ban protests in front of private houses and never change your clock again.
1: I think you can get a lot of support for You'd that. You'd get a lot of support for that. <laughs>
2: yeah. Final thoughts on
0: daylight savings.
2: It's stupid. Let's get it's, rid of it.
0: It's stupid. Let's get rid of it. Um, well, thank you, Jeff, for I
2: didn't, I didn't swear once.
0: You didn't swear once, that I know of. But we'll have to go back and listen to the audio. <music> Becky, another great show. We survived. We There's survived. not flames coming out of the windows or anything.
2: Let's break
1: it down.
0: Let's break it down. Tweet of the week.
1: Tweet of the week. My tweet of the week is Oscars related. Um, it's from at Twitter account or the Twitter account at Champagne. And it says, "It's only the Oscars carpet if it comes from the Oscars region of France. Otherwise, it's just a sparkling carpet."
0: <laughs> That's good. That's very good. That is good. What you're missing. So, just a couple point a couple things here. We do tweet of the week every week. Uh, for first few times we did, Becky would bring um, incredibly. Uh, painful ones they were not fun (laughs) it was like a sarah mclaughlin commercial uh she would bring on and it was really they were really tough so animals and everything yeah so we have to ask her now if they're good uh mine is also oscar related
1: okay
0: mine is related to uh i want to make sure i pronounce this right kyu kwan winning the uh uh best supporting actor award uh for everything everything everywhere all at once now you may not recognize that name but and and jeff is is of course,
2: uh, goonies yes never well say i did
0: bye. i just I, I, I wanted to say that thanks say for that? ruining it <laughs> thanks for not understanding the cadence wow jeff is uh jeff is a, a social media i mean he's a, a a little bit off on movies sometimes you have a no. this weird that we because i talk about movies a lot i get accused sometimes of being movie jesus because i talk about movies all the times use them as life examples and you and i really have painful conversations on the phone when we talk about movies because you don't remember yeah movies I, when they happen I so do, i
2: have a memory recall problem
0: a memory recall problem so uh kei hu kwan was in indiana jones and the temple of doom he was in goonies he was data in goonies data in goonies uh he won an academy award on sunday night i watched the academy awards which is surprising for i think a lot of people to know i, I always enjoy watching the academy awards he was on stage uh, and he got a chance to give a hug to a uh, harrison ford which was who he starred in indiana jones and the temple of doom with and so mark hamill the mark hamill uh tweeted out a picture of indiana jones and i mean, sorry, excuse me harrison ford uh with uh kwan in 1984 and then 2023 and and mark hamill wrote and now there's not a dry eye in the house because those two are embracing just as they did in the movie, some uh, nearly uh, forty years later. And so it just was just, amazing. it was just a beautiful moment, remarkable to see. Uh, it was a great Academy Awards, great speeches. Brandon Fraser won uh, for the whale. It was an awesome, uh, awesome show, and I watched it and it was fun.
1: Real quick before we go to Kolb, I need to um, also we were texting over the weekend. Um, Michelle Yeoh made a comment about Don Lemon's. Yes, Women, ladies, they're always in your prime. Gotta love it.
0: That's right. Because uh, uh, she she won for Best Actress. Correct. And she piggybacked on Don, Don Lemon's comment about mm-hmm. Nikki Haley, who was 51, not being in her prime, yep. which we talked about before. Jeff, do you have a take on, uh, do you have a tweet? I have a
2: tweet of the week. It's my own. So we
0: now have a <clears throat>
1: three-time
0: three winner.
2: winner, Jeff it's, Cole. It's in response to you saying, it may surprise you to know that I love watching the Oscars, the arrivals on the red carpet, the interviews, the clothes, everything. And I responded, this is not surprising. Your bad taste is well known. Wow.
1: Wow. Wow an out firing event. Well Jeff
2: uh on behalf of the
0: breakdown with Broadcore and Becky or just the Broadcore part I want to thank you for being here Becky breakdown. your thoughts
1: Absolutely great to meet you Let's in break person it down. you know I'm sure lots of uh lots of fun come stories come come. we can break down continue to chatter about that are maybe not appropriate for a
2: podcast Just trying some stuff out here Are you done Yeah All right
0: great We want to thank you for listening to the breakdown,
2: breakdown.
0: We want to thank you for listening to the breakdown with Broadcom and Becky. Uh, before we go, if you could show some love for your favorite podcast by leaving us a review on Apple platform, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to uh, this this great uh, this great podcast. You can also write a review on our website at bbbreakpod.com. That's bbbreakpod.com. We're also at Twitter at at bbbreakpod. Uh, the breakdown with Broadcorb and Becky will return next week. I want to thank you for being here, Becky.
1: Thank you very much. We're excited uh, to to come back next week.
0: Have a great week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.